0: I want to tell you a story now. Hey, children, I want you to look at the screen as well because this story might relate to you. Here's an old friend of mine I wish you could have met. He's passed on now. No, not my dad. Ralph. Ralph, dog that belonged to my daughter and son in law up in the Riverland a good friend of the family, a very faithful dog, good guard dog, but what a beautiful creature Ralph was. We loved him, but he did things that made us annoyed and angry. Who's had a dog here? Leave your hands up if that dog sometimes made you annoyed and angry. Yeah, I didn't see too many hands drop down. Here's some examples, digging up the garden, beautiful plant you put in, suddenly gone. Okay. Gravel spread, you know how dogs do these skids when they're chasing a ball? You've raked it, all untidy, nice mess. What else? Dirty marks on the floor, dogs cannot ever learn to wipe their feet, can they? What else? Oh, Julie, get rid of that quick. They do that, don't they? In the worst places, just where you're going to step. And here's a story about Ralph that makes you shudder a bit. One day, Stephen was driving his ute across the Murray Flats with Ralph running along behind, having a bit of exercise. Stephen suddenly looked and saw Ralph chasing to over a fence, chasing a kangaroo. Stephen was pretty worried because Ralph was fearless. Stephen jumped over the fence, chased after Ralph Ralph was there underneath this big kangaroo Ready to meet his final moment Stephen somehow managed to get the kangaroo away And Ralph was so scratched up You would imagine he'd never, ever, ever again go near a kangaroo But he jumped off, shook his head and chased the kangaroo again Typical dog behavior, hey? So, hey, kids, why do you think Ralph did these stupid things? What do you reckon, Grace? Because he's a dog. (laughs) That's the answer. He's a dog. If dogs didn't do that, they wouldn't be dogs, would they? We love them and we get annoyed by them. Okay. We're all like Ralph. Well, How are we like Ralph? We all do the wrong things sometimes or fail to do the right things as dogs do. We all sin. We all sin. From Adam and Eve, we all sin. And here's the question, why do we sin, Grace? We're not dogs. Who are we? We are humans. That's why we sin. That's part of the nature of being a human. It's what humans were given a free will and in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and we choose to disobey God. We're humans. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but by the free gift of God's grace, all are put right with him through Christ Jesus who sets them free. What wonderful assurance we have Of God's forgiveness (laughs) Now when a dog looks sorry We're not sure whether the dog is sorry But God asks us to come to him In repentance Totally being honest about where we've let Him and other people around us down Asking for us For him to forgive us John one nine says If we confess our sins God is faithful and just To forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I ask you now to join me. You can remain seated for this as we speak together the words of confession. Join me now. Heavenly Father, we come to you as your people, your beloved children, but today especially also as children of our earthly parents, mums and dads who have raised us and set us on our life's journey. We who are dads and mums also come to you as parents with the joy and privilege and responsibility of parenthood. We confess that our lives have not always reflected who we are in Christ. We have sinned against you and each other through what we have thought, said and done. We have not loved you above everything else in our lives. We have hurt others through our own selfish attitudes, words, and actions. And there are those times we have failed to do good things when we had the opportunity. Let's continue. Lord, have mercy on us. Because of Jesus' death for us, please forgive us all our sins. Renew us by the power and presence of our risen Lord and pour out your Holy Spirit on each of us so we can live as your children and reflect your love amongst our family and friends in our neighbourhood and to the wider world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now I say to you, hear the good news, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our gracious Eternal Father faithfully hears the cries of His children, holds each of us in His arms. Through the sacrifice of His special and beloved Son, Jesus, our relationship with God the Father has been restored and we receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. In the powerful name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Join me in saying, Amen. Just got a Bible ready I want to share with you now. Oh, that's not where we're at. <laughs> Can you find it, Julie? Philippians 2, 6 to 8. This is a Bible reading that inspired me to write the next song that we're going to be listening to or joining in on. It's just a special Bible text that just hit me one Christmas when I thought, why did God send Jesus to earth as a baby at Christmas? Philippians 2, 6-8 says, He always had the nature of God, but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, even death on the cross. During this next song, I think a lot of you have heard this song. If you want to sing along, please feel free to do that. Otherwise, just listen and meditate on the words. pure in every way And man and woman in your image To live and prosper in your way But we chose chosen our rebellion Try and make it on our own Life of sin and self-ambition That made death our final home But your love was too strong To allow all your children just to carry on So you came in your love To shine through our darkness through your only son Jesus, shine on all your children every day throughout the year. Open up to us the way of lightness, your love and mercy bright and clear. Your love and mercy bright and clear. You could have kept your distance You could have stayed away You could have helped us hopeless In the darkness that we'd made You could have stayed in heaven In the glory that is yours left us to our destruction and the fate of broken laws But your love was too strong to allow all your children just to carry on So you came in your love to shine through our dark through your only Son, Jesus shine on all your children every day throughout the year open up to us the way of lightness your love and mercy bright and clear your love and mercy bright and and clear. Jesus shine on all your children every day throughout the year. Open up to us the way of lightness, your love and mercy bright and clear. Your love and mercy bright and clear. I ask you now to please stand as you're able as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's say the words together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under pontius pilate was crucified dead and buried he descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of god the father almighty from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead i believe in the holy spirit the holy christian church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I can't get my breath back. <laughs> A couple of Bible passages now that are going to lead me into the message I've got for you today. From 1 John 3, 1, we read, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's simple and beautiful. God's declared us his children. And the next one All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Okay. You know, seven years ago, Helene and I became grandparents for the first time. Who's a grandparent here? Quite a few of us around, aren't there? You know, when we saw little Oakley, we fell in love. We thought he was the most gorgeous little guy. And we totally believed and were convinced that he was the cutest looking kid in the world. Now, don't contradict me, he was. Let's see the picture There he is. Now, isn't he gorgeous? And here's another one of his grandparents. How do we feel, eh? And the next one, there's me looking at him and saying, what a precious, beautiful little boy. As the other grandchildren arrived, we've got three now, another one coming, um, we were equally chuffed and overwhelmed by the the love we felt for those little guys and when the next one arrives in a couple of months i reckon we'll fall in love with that little guy just as much how good does it feel how good does it feel almost makes you burst with joy and happiness and talking to other grandparents i was talking to sharon the other day we all feel the same don't we We're not alone in our love and pride that we feel. As a grandpa now, I can't help but go back to when I became a dad for the first time. A dad to this beautiful little girl called Annika. Our own gorgeous little girl. I'm not one to shed an outward tear, but you know what? There were moments there where I, particularly where I had her just to myself, I was just almost crying with joy over that little girl. You know, I realized that having a child brought emotions out of me I never thought I ever had. (laughs) I knew that I would go to ridiculous extremes to nurture and protect that child. I would do anything, even at risk of my own life and limb, to make sure she was safe. I call it the mother bear instinct. We've all watched David Attenborough, you know where he's talking about where the camera's angled in on a mother bear and the cubs and he's talking about the big teeth and the big claws and the big body and the big heart that wants to protect those cubs. So don't come near mama bear. Don't come near those cubs. Watch out for mama bear. But also we experience, don't we, watch out for mama magpie. Haven't we all had that situation happen where we've been swooped from above by this flighty, absolutely desperate to protect her young um, missile covered in feathers. Isn't it amazing in the animal world, that sense of protectiveness? I'm by nature a person who hates being involved in conflict or violence or aggression. But when I had children, I knew that I would fight to the death to protect them. What I felt for that baby just blows me away. And when our other two children, two boys, came along, I went down the same path of just incredible pride and love and that protective mother bear instinct. Becoming a parent changes you for good. As my (coughs) children grow older, into their adult years, I've not stopped feeling exactly the same way. Sure, they're able to stand on their own two feet in this world, but I still feel very protective towards them. I love them to bits. I'll bend over backwards to support them. Their joys are my joys. Their happiness is my happiness. But their anxieties and their frustrations and their struggles are my anxieties and frustrations and struggles. In a way, they're an extension of me. I'm sure many of you today here have had the same emotional journey. Once you become a parent, you experience a different dimension of love, so much more extreme than you've ever felt before, of a different nature. Well, look at God now. If I, a mere human male, can feel that level of love, I can barely begin to comprehend the love that God must feel, must have felt for his son Jesus. His son Jesus, that perfect son who lived a totally unselfish life a perfection on this earth and went obediently through the suffering and death on the cross. We all remember that story of Jesus when he was baptised. You know, the scene is set. There's Jesus asking John to baptise him. He's in the water. And we see the dove coming down, the Holy Spirit. The, his presence is there. Descending upon Jesus, and we hear the voice of God. This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Other translations say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God loved his Son Jesus, and yet. Only three years later, we have the scene on the cross. Jesus, in agony, cries out to his Father, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? How could that happen? How on earth could that happen? What's going on here? Can any of us who are fathers or mothers imagine if our own child was suffering? Wouldn't wouldn't go out of our way to protect them? Would we desert them, abandon them, turn our back on them? No way. It's certainly within God's power to have relieved Jesus of his suffering on that day. With just a little flick of his finger, just a whisper from his mouth, he could have taken Jesus away from that miserable, horrible, agonizing state and taken him back into the glory of heaven where he was distanced from all that. But God didn't do that. He allowed Jesus to continue to suffer. Why did he do this? Well, here's a most amazing expression of God's love as a father. As our father, he saw our suffering, our rebelliousness, our plight, and he desperately wanted us back. But he knew there was only one way to do this, to sacrifice his perfect son, Jesus, Think about it, sacrificing your own perfect, worthy, wonderful child for the sake of an unworthy, wretched and shameful human race. So hard to understand. Let me just look at it a bit more. We saw it on the little preamble to that last song for the kids. When God created man... And woman on earth, he created them in his own image. They were truly his precious children. But sin distorted that perfect image as mankind began that desperate and precipitous path of rebellion and self-destruction. Did God desert his children? Did he abandon them, turn his back on them? Sure, he disciplined them, didn't he? He sent Adam and Eve out of the garden. He said, hey, you've wronged me. You've disobeyed me, you're gonna to have to live a life now that's burdened with the cares and troubles that you brought upon yourself. But reject them, abandon them, no way. God was desperate to find to provide a way for his children to be restored once again into that image in which he created them, to restore them once again into that wonderful close relationship with him and to once again give them the eternal life that he wanted them to have some of you parents may have gone through some very desperate times when your son or daughter has gone off the rails as they say has just followed a path that you would never ever condone that you think is leading them to to destruction If you've been in that situation, you may be able to comprehend a little bit of God's desperation to win his people back, to enfold them in his arms again. We know how God made this happen. He did allow Jesus to suffer and die, his precious son to suffer and die, because that was the way of salvation. That was the way it could happen. John 3.16 summarizes it, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God had the choice. He chose to spare us and let his son suffer and die. There's one more aspect to this situation I want you to consider something that reflects perhaps an even deeper level of love of God the Father. Why did God turn his back on Jesus? You know, until recently, I pictured a stern, holy judge, God with his long beard in the judge's seat. The verdict's been given. Jesus is to be Killed, crucified on the cross. The verdict's been given, he's guilty, and the judge walks out of the courtroom, moves on to the next case. God knew he had no choice. That was the only way he could save his people on earth. But there's another side I want you to consider. Can I suggest? that God turned his back because his heart was being torn. He was finding it so hard to witness the misery and agony of his son on the cross that he couldn't bear to watch. He had to take himself somehow to another place to not have to witness that doesn't they reflect how amazing God's love for us is? That he would do that. Instead of taking the easy option and saying, you people brought it on yourselves, you can go to hell. I'm saving my son, my precious son. But God did not make that choice. As human parents, we often have agonised through the trials and worries of our kids. Would we not do anything to spare their suffering if we had the power? God certainly had the power to rescue Jesus, to spare him. But instead, he chose us. There could be no greater love than that. Just look at the screen. We've got the words of our next song, the first verse, which seems to just put in a nutshell this message How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only Son to make a wretch. That's us, his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons like us to glory. We're going to sing that song together now. Would you please rise?